the cup and the leaf all to be won. Everyone knows there's a job to be done. And with a team so fine, I'm proud of mine. We'll be singing the song. Dunfermline Athletic Former Players Association podcast is sponsored by Starna Apparel. Affordable and stylish clothing born on the terraces. Visit their website, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Welcome to episode 7 of the Dunfermline Athletic Former Players Association podcast, Walking Down the Holbeath Road, where we will reminisce about yesteryear and the players who've been lucky enough to wear the famous black and white stripes. I'm your host, Mikey Mokkevich, and on this episode, we speak to a former ball boy at East End Park, who would become Jim Leishman's first sign-in in October 1983. He played an important role in the club's early rise under Leish, and famously scored the only goal in the centenary match against Sir Alex Ferguson's Aberdeen. So sit back, grab a bovril, and enjoy this one with Ian Heddle. The So Ian, thanks for joining us on the podcast. It's great to catch up with you. How are you doing? Absolutely fantastic. Privileged to be invited back to anything to do with Unfilm Athletic, which was uh, my boy club, you know, growing up as a wee boy, ball boy and all that. So yeah, great to be invited. Thanks again. Top man. We'll, we'll touch on some of that. So you were born in Dunfermline in March 1963. So mm. what was what was growing up in Dunfermline like for a young Ian Heddle? Exciting. And anything to do with a ball, that was me. I was absolutely football daft. Under a light, anywhere a field, anything to get a ball, I'd be happy. But growing up in Dunfermline, uh, born kind of round about Loman Crescent area and then progressed along to Petland Terrace. And I always say it's the outskirts of Abbey View. You know, it wasn't the Abbey View itself because Abbey View was tough back then, by the way. It had to be tough. But uh, I enjoyed it. Great stuff. Picorthy Primary and then progressed to Woodmore High School. So I had great memories of growing up in Dunfermline. Brilliant. I take it from a young age you, you had aspirations to be a footballer. That was your life, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, granddad, Jimmy Burrell, uh, was fortunate enough to play with Celtic. So I'm very proud and privileged to have him in my in my history as football, you know. So I probably took it from that side of the family and left-footed as well. Jimmy was left-footed. So, and he was fortunately still alive when he saw me sign with Dunfermline. So absolutely Brilliant. fantastic for him to see that. Superb. And you mentioned earlier when we done the intro about being a ball boy at East End. So I take it from a young age you were you were a pars man, a pars Aye, boy. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Just vaguely remember going to a Wolves game or something when I was a wee laddie under lights. I must have played them in a friendly or maybe one of these European Cup games. But I I think 10 year old I managed my mum worked in the uh, eSport. 
and she was friendly with Jimmy Greve. And Jim Greve was a was the owner of Eastport, so he got me in as a ball like East End. But being the young boy, I got kicked in the count beef end. So <laughs> with all the big boys got up to the the Dunfermline end, you know. So but I enjoyed it. It was great, fantastic. Is it? Is there any? Can't, g- can't wish for any more. Definitely. Is there any games that you can that you can remember as a young boy? Yeah, I remember being a ball boy at the John Lund Testimonial, 1973, I think. I'd be 10-year-old back then. So in that time, Doug Leach was there. Dennis Law was there, obviously. All these massive names that were for Scottish football. So mm-hmm. aye, really good. I remember it vividly. Massive yeah. crowd. Great. What was it like as a as a young boy being a supporter and you're in amongst, in the tunnel and going down the steps and in the dressing aye. room and... We, we used to sit in the, the boot room, actually. That's where we got changed. Uh, you would come in and just, I think the arse you wear black tracksuit, I think that was the time. And uh, we had a wee, a wee area in the boot room, you know, so players used to come in and get their boots. And uh, that was like, you know, you're starstruck when you're a wee laddie and you would see, like, say, Graham Shaw coming or Kenny Mackey or even Big Leash itself, you know. Great, great memories. And then they used to go and warm up in the gym because the gym was right next to us as well. Right. So, yeah. Good. And who was your heroes as a kid? Probably like say Kenny Mackey, because he was probably the their main goal scorer at that time. I remember Kenny Mouth, uh, left sided midfielder, I think, and obviously Leash at the back. Mm-hmm. So Keir Carlson, I remember big Keir Carlson and goes. It was something on social media the other day about him uh, coming from Norway. But I just remember looking up at this guy, you know, he was just never ended. He was a giant, giant of a man. But uh, yeah. Absolutely great memories, great. Brilliant. And then obviously you get involved in, in playing football uh, as a kid. Who, who who did you play for like growing up? What yeah, I probably your... started uh, probably started with Abbey View under 12s and then progressed for there to Tron team. And Tron team was run by Alan Weir. And in that team we had Morris Malpas, would you believe it or not? Morris Malpas was absolutely Brilliant. outstanding. Could you, could you tell? Could you? T- I was going to say. Could you tell even at a young age he was going to go? Oh, go far. He was. He was at least at least three or four steps above us. And Graham Mercer, who I think probably ended up in trials of West Ham and a couple of other teams, uh, but just absolutely. Morris Morris Marcus was absolutely class when he was a young lad, and everybody wanted to sign on me. But luckily, his dad had a good uh, head on his shoulders. You know, he, he wouldn't let him go anywhere. He ended up going to Dundee United. Mm-hmm. And probably stayed there all his career, I believe. So he did, yeah. Uh, yeah, Morris was was fantastic. So I started at John Dean and then progressed mm-hmm. to Hallibeef. I was part of the Hallibeef side uh, under Freddie Muller. Again, absolutely great. We got looked after as laddies, reasonably successful. And then it all kind of went pear shaped for me round about when I was 16 year old. Hallibeef, then they go into under 16s. I was destined to go with Inverkeithen. And there was a an instruction to me at the cottage and to get picked up to go to Inverkeithen. And I went there, as the time described. And then nobody, nobody turned up. There was nobody there. So I kind of I kinda took, didn't take the half then, but I kind of fell out with football. And I was really heavily into golf when I was 16-year-old. And, and didn't play football for two years until I come back and played with the railway club. So there was a massive gap there for me with football. I fell out with football. Mm-hmm. So disappointing, but I got back eventually. <laughs> yeah. And what, what was the railway club like? That that seems to be a juvenile club that was spoken about quite highly back in the day. 
Mike, the Railway Club is just an absolute institution. And I've got to mention the one and only Jim MacArthur, who ran the Railway Club back then and took it from infancy. And they absolutely annihilated every competition or went in, except the Scottish. It was just maybe just a bit of luck and a wee bit of this and a wee bit of that. But Jim MacArthur, for me, was instrumental in making me who I am today, uh, football-wise. You know, mm-hmm. the, the man is just... He's took something like, I don't know, 20, 20 plus players and made them an international, signed them when he yeah. went to Livingston and also through Dunfermline. So, yeah, Railway Club is great. A lot of great guys up there. A fantastic little club, but sadly, no more. Yeah, that's sad to hear that. And then in the early 80s, Ian, did you start getting senior clubs interested in you? Or how, what, what was it like? Was, it, was there people scouting you? Or? Yeah, you could, you could always tell. Uh, there was rumours that Andy Young was probably scouting for Leeds at the time, but nothing ever came to it. I think I managed to get myself in the Scottish boys scene, under-18s. And funnily enough, we played Wales. I've still got the cap, still got the jersey. We played Wales at East End Park. Kenny Ward was playing. Uh, Michael Glancy for Kincardin, he was there as well. But uh, yeah, that's probably... My only memories went on Dundee in a trial, went on Wraith Rovers in a trial, but it never worked mm-hmm. out. But I always yeah. said back then you had to play. There yeah. was there was there was a lot a lot of good players back then. So yeah, but luckily enough, Jim wanted me to film one, so that's yeah. where it all started. Yeah, in October '83, you become Jim Leishman's first signing for the club. I know. I, must I have, keep reminding him. <laughs> I, I went to see him uh, last year. I think I went to his house last year. Absolutely yeah. great. I still, still have massive respect for Jim Leishman. Everybody knows what he is. And yeah. he, he's no different from me. He signed me. He saw something in me. And, yeah, he gave me my my senior career start in the ladder. Mm. How, how did that feel, signing for your, your boyhood club? It's probably, I think it's, it's probably one of the my highlights of my career. You know, you just, I, I can remember it against Falkirk. It was Falkirk Reserves. And uh, I think we won 2-0 or 2-1 or something. But he brought me in after and he says, son, he says, Fantastic! You're pushing players at the road to take free kicks, and you're doing this and you're doing that. And uh, that was it. Signed on. Brilliant. And do you remember much about your debut? I debut got abandoned at half time against Cowdenbeath. Would you believe it? Right. Dunfermline. Probably the week before, I'd got pumped four 0 I can't mind who it was, and I I was out at the time. But Jim Leishman came to my girlfriend's house at that time looking for me and then I got a phone call saying you need, you need to go here so he says son he says the players have let me down they've let Dunfermline down he says you'll be playing on Saturday so it was it was against County New Year's Day and abandoned at half time <laughs> <laughs> rain was just horrendous but uh, I and I think it, my next game was maybe against Forfar it was on the 9th of January 1984 Aye. and the, the pitch was bone hard it was mm-hmm. absolutely bone hard and four for a great team at that time. I think they beat us. Maybe beat us one nil. But anyway, long ago. But yeah, that was my, that yeah. was my debut New Year's Day. Brilliant. So two appearances that season, and uh, the film actually finished ninth in the second division. Mm-hmm. And it was from there really. Leash started to inspire the the whole town and club, wasn't it? Yeah, he did. I he, like I say, he had that passion. He had the drive. Mm-hmm. So th- these were a couple of ingredients that you needed, and then he just started to. You know, just change players, get players that have been there. I remember big Alpha Syph had come in and 
Who else did he bring in? Obviously, he brought in John Watson and then changed Norrie because Big Norrie was was playing midfield at the time. And he was like a fish out of water, Norrie. And then everybody right. will agree with him. Once he went back, centre mm-hmm. half, the film became a bit more stable. And he just started to just started to build it for there. Yeah, the following season for you, you you only played three first team games, but you scored your first goal for the club. And the mm-hmm. club then finished third that season. So the progress yeah. started to happen. Was was it frustrating for you not playing as much? Uh, or did you expect not that? really, no. I, I, obviously, everybody wants to play, but there was obviously better players playing in front of me. So you just had to keep battling away, learning the profession trade that I did at that time to, to get a bit of consistency in your game and just be, just be part of Dunfermline coming back. So that, that's yeah. what happened. That's what happened. Yeah. And then the following season, it, it kind of clicked for you, 85, yeah. 86, because you made 31 appearances, scoring five yeah. goals. Yeah. Um, uh, which was, it was a big season for the club, wasn't it? It was a it was, the season. It, it was. It was just like a ladder. You know, the season before, they'd done reasonably well. And I remember pre-season, that time we, we, were, we were up at Kelly Woods, mm-hmm. and I was absolutely flying. My fitness was up. And uh, I managed to get a start. And obviously, the centenary game springs to mind. I got I got a good start there. So that, that yeah. gave me the platform I needed to to gain a bit of confidence. So, yeah, that's, that's where it all really started. Yeah. What was your memories of the centenary match against Aberdeen? You know what? The funniest thing I remember is we got these, like, uh, plastic balls to kick into the crowd before the, before the, before the game. And, you know, they're probably were a pound a time or something. You know, you think, oh, my God. How <laughs> cheap and nasty it was. That was that was the times back then, you know. So yeah. but I, you were we just your stars All the former players were there and seen Fergie and Jock Steen and Cunningham yeah. and all these Harry Melrose and you know, it's it was just it was just awesome. It might it must have been quite surreal for you being a local boy and a supporter because all these guys would mean quite a lot to you. Yeah, they did die. Like I say, the whole, whole occasion is it's, you, you probably mm. can't mind it. You're just in, you're like in one of these yeah, yeah. I'm playing with Dunfermline. But the, 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 the most important thing, that not the most important, but the best thing I liked about Dunfermline was the old stand where the mm-hmm. changing rooms were there. You come out in the middle and walk down the stairs. Yeah. You know, it was a massive honour when you think of all the players that had made that walk down these steps and the old changing rooms and that. It was just so historic. It was there was passion there. Leash had built that up, you know. So it was it was just like a rolling train, you know, it kept it going and going and going. And yeah. Yeah. Look where they ended up. Brilliant. And talking about the Aberdeen game, who who was in the Aberdeen team that night? Can you remember? They were all there. Everyone. Uh Leash. Uh, sorry, Leighton was in goals and then it was like Miller McLeish, Billy Stark, who I played against, Neil Cooper, sadly no with us no longer. John Hewitt, maybe like say Joe Miller, McDougall. So wow. I, yeah, they had a really strong team, eh? Yeah, and Aberdeen was the top of their game at that point. But you, you've got to understand, we 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 played in an era where there was no social media, eh? There was mm-hmm. nothing. And you, you think it would have been these days, it'd have been all highlighted. But luckily, I've still got a clip of the, the, the video of it. So yeah. I've still got it. And it's a cracking goal, isn't it? Hi, unlike me, right foot, you know. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Big Jim says remember. that was one off off the training ground as well. One you guys uh, had worked yeah. on. The ball got played up the right. I remember Winker, as he always does, holds it and holds it in really good. John was really good at holding it as well as scoring goals. And then he laid mm-hmm. it off to, I think Bobby Robson knocked it in the snowy and snowy Morrison, typical outside of the right foot. Yeah. When they took a wee deflection, I think I rose up high to get it, brought it down. 
mm-hmm. 12 yards, just leathered it, you know, just leathered it top corner. But, aye. What, what a feeling it must have been. Aye, it was. It was. Brilliant. And that, that same season, being the centenary season, something I wanted to ask you about was the, must have been the, the real highlight of your career was the East Enders record. Pebble Mill, we were live on Pebble Mill, obviously everybody knows that, but we'd, we'd done a wee thing in Edinburgh, I think, maybe a few days before it, just a wee rehearsal, yeah. and it was good, but the actual journey down to Birmingham stayed overnight, I can't even mind what happened, but something happened, we, we, it could have been John, I don't know, I can't remember, something happened anyway, there must have did been Leash, Did Leash not say put a, a porno video on, and kept pausing it, so you guys could, could keep learning the words? Could have been something like that, I can't even mind it honestly, off the top of my heart, but uh, the actual actual day itself, Paul, Paul Coyer was uh, presenting mm. Pebble Mill at one at a time, and then Lou Beale was there, and I think Magnus Magnuson. So they were all they were all really into it, you know, with the scars and singing, bars, <laughs> you know, EastEnders. And then years later, I went to must have been some quiz due in Glasgow with a live audience, and Paul Coyer was doing it. I can't even mind what it was. And then we, during the break, he said, ah, he says, the guy was away, he says, oh, he says, there's a guy here, no shit. He says, oh, who is that? He says, Ian Heddle. Oh, who's that? He says, Devil Millet one. So they got me sing it in this, uh, this uh, quiz show, you know. Oh, my God. And the music came on, eh? Come along to East End. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fabulous, fabulous memories. But, yeah. It was in the Scottish charts as well, believe it or not, eh? I get again. No, that was the magic of leash with his PR marketing head on, wasn't it? The club were starting to get real good coverage nationally. It was. It was just like a train, and they had the uh, Blair. Blair Morgan was direct at the time, and he was obviously mm. behind the scenes as well. So yeah, Dunfermline was going in a, in a good direction back then. Really good. Yeah. Well, the end of that season, we won the league, didn't we? We finished two points clear of Queen of the South. Yeah. What's your good memory team of that well. one? Yeah, mm. Queen, of, Queen of the South are a good team. Uh, I remember uh, playing against uh, Graham Robertson who ended up at the yeah. pass really really solid right back uh, Jimmy Thompson I think was there as well but uh, they, they're a strong team but yeah great I think I remember the celebrations at the end of the game but, uh, <laughs> aye, it's good really good I bet you don't remember but, uh, going up the town that night aye, I, I remember <laughs> Mayor, Mayor, uh, the Aberdeen game I actually went yeah. to Dick Campbell Maybe Pink was there as well. We went to the old uh, nightclub called Chevy's. Remember Chevy's? No, before my time. Chevy's was, was just along a bit for Maggie's, St. Maggot's Hotel. So right. Chevy's was a wee nightclub, so we ended up in there. So, aye, really good. Nice. Ended up having a few drinks with Dick. 
We hope you're enjoying this episode of Walking Down the Holbeath Road. We would also like to thank our sponsors at Inverkeething Hillfield Swifts 2017s. The Swifts are an SFA quality marked community group and have competitive teams for every age group from mini kickers through to amateur level football. So if you're interested in youth football, why not check out their website, www.swiftsfc.com. The, the following season, 86-87, was your last at East End. You made 10 appearances and scored mm. two goals. But were, mm-hmm. were you frustrated at that point, not playing enough? Or were you, did uh, you look to leave the club? Or No. Uh, what what happened was I kind of took a, a nosedive and, and confidence and a little bit of form dip, you know. I don't know why. Various reasons. I'm a kind of... If everything's okay, I'm doing okay. Confidence-wise, once it goes, it's hard. And a football player's biggest tool is his confidence. Mm-hmm. Once his confidence goes, it goes. And then Dunfermline fans, be Dunfermline fans, were on my back. There was no doubt about it. Yeah. Dunfermline fans, as good as they are, they can be really, really picky on who they like, who they don't like. Yeah. So I seem to get a lot of it, a lot of the stick. I asked David Bingham in a previous one, Heads, about being a local boy. Do you think there was more yeah. pressure on you? I wouldn't say it's pressure. I don't think you go there saying I'm for film and I must I must uh, I must perform, uh-huh. I must do this. I don't think it's there, but for some reason uh, local boys get it tight. I, mm-hmm. I, I can't put my name, I can't put my finger on it, but yeah. Uh, it's, it's just one of these things. So yeah, that, that that was the start of it. And to be honest, you know, at least come to me and say, St. Johnson's in for you. It's up to you. So it's it, Dunfermline didn't push me at the door. And yeah. and I went and Probably went on the pretense of, you know, I was under pressure, no getting a game, playing. But yeah, I made the move on my own decision. So yeah, and forever, what reason is, I was reasonably successful after I left on film. So yeah, you know, I, I knew I was I wasn't a bad player. So yeah, yeah. So look, reflecting back on your time at Dunfermline Heads, you played forty six, scoring eight goals. Was there any games or Goals in particular that stand out for you during that time? Well, obviously, the Aberdeen game sticks out because of the mm. importance of what it was. Yep. Taking Dunfermline into their second centenary. Uh, I remember I remember the Cowdenbeath game, obviously. It was my debut. I scored again against Cowdenbeath at the Cowdenbeath end. Uh, free kick. I've still got a good picture of that, actually. But the games... Three Rovers Cup game, I don't know why. I think I scored in there. Horrendous snowy conditions. And then obviously you know the story about Bobby Forrest. And, uh, Bobby played behind me. Fantastic left back. Uh, missed the bus and got a taxi down to three Rovers. And then I think was it was the chairman at the time. Forget his name. Wasn't it Jimmy Waters? Jimmy Neil Rennie? No, it wasn't it Rennie. It was another wee McConville. Jimmy, Jimmy McConville. McConville. He was a secretary, uh, so, yeah. He'd went up to Jimmy and said, you know, I need, I need the expenses for my taxi. I nearly had a heart attack. <laughs> I remember three. I remember scoring maybe two at Brecon one time as well. But uh, aye, no, no too many. No too many. The, the one I do remember, and I, I actually wasn't involved, was uh, the cup tie at Rangers at Ibrox where they lost oh, in the yeah. last five minutes. Mm-hmm. So, but I was I was just on the, on the fringes of the team then. But I remember that, you know, as a yeah. laddie going to Ibrox. Fantastic. McCoy's, McAdam, all these players. So, yeah. Happy Brilliant. days. What, what would you say was the main highlight during your time at East End? Probably getting promotion. Mm-hmm. Being part of that being part of that team, getting promotion was probably the highlight for me. 
Leash had, Leash had a, a good solid base. He had Gregor beside him, but for me, he also had John Jobson. And yeah. John Jobson, to me, was an absolute fantastic guy. Supported me no ends when I was senior. Taught me things as well as Pink. You know, they taught me things about strikers, holding it up, making runs, making runs past your strikers, getting back. So, yeah, taught me a lot. A lot of respect for John. I saw him two weeks ago. Oh, I saw him a month ago, actually. Yeah. John Jobson in the town. Fantastic guy. Absolutely fantastic. So, massive respect to him. Brilliant. So, the whole coaching team at, during that time were, were vital, really, to the club's yeah. rise. Yeah, exactly. You had Wee Joe. Wee Joe was a good man, great man. Joe Nelson, fantastic. Mm-hmm. And you had old Sandy. Old Sandy cleaned the books, honestly. Even they even they know this man had cleaned books like this. They were just like brand new every time. Ken, all these wee things, right? Room for the tea folk and all the way up. All the volunteers, all these people, they make the club successful. So yeah. that was just the start of Dunfermline. You know? It was the start of the machine going forward, promotion, first division, mm-hmm. second division. And then they went to the Premier League, you know. Quite rightly so. Yeah. You then leave the club. You signed for St. Johnson in December 86 and you actually yeah. score on your debut. Aye, wait a Berwick. Aye, what's your memories of that one? Another right foot. <laughs> for someone who's predominantly left-sided, I scored mm. a few goals on my right foot. But uh, yeah, strange as it is, you know, you get the bus at home, youth and you, you sit on that bus and you think you didn't ken anybody. But mm-hmm. excuse me, I was lucky enough to go into another struggling team, St. Johnson again, but like Dunfermline, they were a massive team, great club, good setup. And Ian Gibson signed me, and Ian Gibson was a, a decent player in his day with Thistle, Dundee United, all these teams. And uh, I, I settled in very quickly. I don't know why, but I did. I settled in very quickly and became successful yeah. with St. Johnson again from second first division up to Premier League. So, yeah, yeah. And then you played 150 games for St. Johnson and you won promotion to the Premier League in 1990. Mm. Uh, what was it like working for Alex Totten and a Dunfermline legend and Bert Payton? Yeah, Bertie was his, was his right-hand man. Uh, Gone great with Bertie. Totten was, he was, I say, when you were playing well, he was with you. And if you weren't playing well, you know, he was, he was kind of difficult. Uh, and in the latter end of my career at St. Johnson, where I didn't go full-time, which is probably a massive regret, you know, and it come to me three times in my life to go full-time, and I didn't take it each mm-hmm. time. A couple of reasons, maybe because I was working as well and probably needed that secure, stable situation. And then secondly, I always doubted my ability for some reason. Uh, I said to you before, I touched on the confidence. I yeah. just genuinely didn't believe I could play with it the top players in Scotland but that, that was it like I say mm-hmm. I needed I needed somebody beside me back then like a John Jobson or somebody say you can do this you can make it you can do this but it never happened but hey yeah. you live and die by your decisions During your time at St. Johnson did you have chances to go to to other clubs was there clubs watching you? Yeah believe it or not I didn't I didn't go full time but I managed I think I managed eight games when I was part time because at that time I was working in Dottyard and I actually trained with Dunfermline at Petrivi where they had Cosma, Jinky Farming and what they had all eight players back then playing them. So I was actually training full time. So, And then the second season, because I'd signed a two-year part-time contract, 
uh, second season, I was playing reserves at Parry Thistle, and a guy came to me at the end of the game and said, do you want to go to Australia? And I'm like, Australia? So I says, oh, well. So anyway, lo and behold, next thing I was giving up everything and moving to Australia to play for Newcastle. Uh, so it was another mm. fantastic experience, and I played really, really well there, really well. Yeah, well, so, you, le- you leave St. Johnson in 1991 to go to Australia. Mm-hmm. Well, going back to St. Johnson, how do you reflect on your, your time at, I was going to say, Muirton and McDermott? Because you'd have played at both stadiums. Played at both, yeah. Muirton was good. Uh, massive part, but old. It was it was getting old, so to, to mm-hmm. make the transition up there, it's uh, it was good. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it must yeah. have been quite exciting at St Johnston at that time because the club was progressing. The, the club was, yeah, and, and I, luckily I was part of it. Like I say, confidence was up. I was playing, scoring goals, assists, whatever you call it these days. But yeah, and then year by year, you know, you just replace players or players fall out and they move on and go elsewhere. But Tottenham was good at strengthening the team. He had Bertie next to him. Bertie, Bertie knew the game inside out. So, yeah, they, they, they just progressed. And sadly, I was not with it right in the end. But uh, ah, I was happy. I was really happy mm. what I achieved up there. Yeah. And who, because, who, I, because I knew I knew I could play. I knew I was decent enough to play at that level. Yeah. Who were the players at St. Johnson during your time there? Quite a lot of pars connections there, wasn't there? Yeah, I obviously later on there was obviously Kenny Ward, Kenny fantastic servant for many a club, and obviously Davy Bingham was was coming at the hinder end, and Davy went on to a tremendous career, absolutely chuffed the bits up, played against, played well, and also travelled well. Hey, Kenny Thompson, excellent fellow. Kenny gave us a bit of stability, a bit of experience at the back. And then we had players like Doogie Barron, who was also good, big balling goals. You need a good goal, you need a good centre defence. We had that. And up front, you could go through We Alan Moore, big Roddy, who was at Dunfermline as a youngster. Roddy was fantastic. What an ability the boy had, but he just couldn't, he didn't have that turn of pace, you know, but skillful, fantastic. So these were all good players. Sammy Johnson, who was good, big Alan McKillop at the back. Don McVicker, sadly no longer with us. Don was a a real winner, born winner, played at left mm. back, played behind me. So, yeah, great times, Brilliant. great memories. Superb. And then you mentioned you go to Newcastle Breakers in Australia. What what was it like in Australia at that time? What was Australian football like? That This was the start, 1991-92 was the start of the Australian Football Academy. And they were, they were churning out players that were really, really good. I mean, you can go through Ned Zelich, played with Dortmund, QPR, John Phelan, Craig Moore. All these players were starting to develop. And you can see where they are today. You know, the national team is absolutely strong, very strong. Mm -hmm. And it was the same back then. They had a lot of Italians, Croatians, Maltese. They had a lot of ethnic uh, Bosnians. All these players were playing, you know, so they could play Mm -hmm. like they were really good. Standard was good. Yeah. And it is now. Quality of life must have been tremendous as well out there for you. It was good. I was sharing a house with two other guys, got a car, and then kind of because of the conditions, it was kind of training at night. And then I used to go and coach the kids at, at school, you know, during the day. So mm. and normally these kids are brought up with cricket and uh, rugby league and rugby union, so all that. But the kids loved it, and, and, and I loved it, you know, giving them wee foot exercises. So, yeah, it was great, great, great life. Brilliant. And then in 1992, you returned to Scotland and signed for Forfa. 
Yeah. What was the reason for coming home? A bit of, a bit of both. There's a couple of reasons. St. Johnson wouldn't let me go there for nothing. So obviously the Australian team wouldn't they, wouldn't they be prepared to pay money. I think Tottenham was what, I don't know, 20, 30, which was now what, 20, 30,000. So that kind of put the kiboshers on, on going back. So then I secured a job again, got back to work. And then my connection at St. Johnson was uh, Tommy Campbell. Tommy was manager of Forfar. Uh, he had Brian McLaughlin there. So he wanted me to go to Forfar. So yeah, up we went. Great. Didn't he? I think we made promotion first year, but we won the very first third division, yeah. the second yeah. year. So great. Uh- you spent four years up there, and when you think of some of the players who were at Forfar during that time, you had Stuart Peaty, Craig Brewster, David mm-hmm. Bingham. Real mm-hmm. good squad, eh? Absolutely. I just missed Craigie Brewster. Stuart, I played alongside him at Forfar, but you can tell Stuart, he's, he's finishing ability was really good. He was destined to go to a higher level. So good. And then Scotty Thompson with the goalie as well. Scott mm-hmm. was there. So Scott ended up at Dunfermline. Yeah. Eh, Alec Hamill, Ian McPhee. Yeah. All, all Bob, good was Bobby Mann there as well? Who went to Inverness later on? Great. Bobby Bobby was, was like Davy Bingham at St. Johnson. They were just coming mm. through. And then Bobby was he was first team at Forfar. Fantastic. Absolutely great. Ability, great. But again, a wee bit like uh, Roddy. He just mm-hmm. didn't have that massive turn of pace. But hey, what a career he had. Fantastic. Brilliant. Is there any memories that stand out for your time at Station Park during the four uh, years? Just winning... Winning the third division for the first time was good. It didn't end good for me there, I must admit. And when I look back, I probably did the wrong thing. Uh, again, trying to mix work with football was quite difficult. And at that time, I was busy with work. I was away a lot. So I'd maybe miss a training or miss a Saturday. I was club captain. My form dipped again. So Tommy took the captaincy away from me, which I accepted. I, I had no qualms with that. I wasn't playing well. And they won the league at Ross County. And they won 1-0. So I was working away at the time. So I phoned them up saying, great gaffer, great, won the league, fantastic. So I don't think I was playing between then and the last game of the season. Last game of the season was against our broth. And uh, team talk, I wasn't even in it. I wasn't even in the squad. I wasn't even strapped. So I kind of, I really did spot the dummy. The toys were well at the pram. And I felt, I felt I didn't deserve it. So I didn't go back. You know, that was me. I was finished with Forfar. So it ended pretty badly for me. But when I look back, I can understand his decision to do it, as all yeah. players do. But I thought at least I could have been on the bench. But that time you could only have two subs back then. So he stopped mm-hmm. with the boys at one at Ross County. So I understand it. But it didn't end great. But great yeah. club. Looked after me, no problem. Great memories, but yeah, ended badly. Yeah, but you moved just along the road in 1996. You signed for Brecon City, where you oh. played 33 games in two two years. What's your memories yeah. of being at Brecon? I always I always say that they shouldn't be called Brecon City Football Club. They should be called Brecon City Harriers because honestly, I think I was 35 at the time, mm-hmm. and I've never known a club to run so much in my life at training. I said, no one these can he win. You don't get the ball. You didn't, you didn't go and do wee ball exercises. All they do is run. Incredible. <laughs> but long way to go, you know. Uh, Thursday, yeah. Tuesday, Tuesday was at Beacon and Thursday was at Dundee. So it was a long way to travel. But yeah. uh, 
There's some decent lads, Frankie Conway, Bobby Brin, Big Ramey, Ingles, Big Ramey, Alan, if it can be, uh, no, and we Dick Bailey, great. So, fantastic. Great oh, club. Yeah. Honestly, they are, they're a fantastic wee club. I was lucky yeah. enough to go to the clubs when you got looked after. Yeah. Uh, they had the best physio in Scotland there at one time, Tam, Tam Bill Martin. Honestly, they just pulled people off the street to treat them, you know. He was just such a nice man. A bottle of whiskey and you, you were all right, you'd, you'd get you back. So, yeah, Fair great enough. club. Great. Brilliant. You then leave there in 1998 and come back down the road to Kelty Hearts, who yeah. at that time were, were a junior club. Aye, aye, well, absolutely. What's your thoughts now on the, the rise of Kelty, obviously being in professional football I now, same league to, as Dunfermline? To, to be honest, I have no really, I, I kind of watch football these days, but no, not as much, but the, the, the progress and development of Kelty is outstanding. You just couldn't mm-hmm. imagine in 1999 where, you know, you go in that changing room or you look in the pitch and you think, can this can this really, really progress into a senior club? And they have, eh? And it's incredible what they've done. I haven't been back. I might go back one day if I ever get the chance, but mm-hmm. my God, what a transformation. Unbelievable. But uh, they've not had a good start. Three games now, one point. Hmm, it's going to be hard for them. But, it's a big uh, step up, isn't it? It is, it is. In League One. It is. You, th- you think how tough the league is with Dunfermline, Airdrie, Falkirk, Queen of the South. I know. A lot of I good know. clubs. A lot of experience, you know, clubs that have been there a long time. So mm-hmm. it will be tough for them, but hopefully yeah. they can, can survive. Hopefully. Yeah. So reflecting back on your football career, what, what has been the, the main the main highlights for, for you? What's what's the memories that stand out for you? There'd be a couple. Uh, obviously, there's no many players that have got Division three, Division two, Division one medals mm-hmm. I have, and I played in the Premier League. So, for someone who, and I keep saying to you about confidence and no believing in themselves so, so much, I did reasonably well. I did reasonably well, and I'm proud of that yeah. fact. Yeah, my grandfather would have been proud of me, who who played with Celtic, yeah. and uh, it was it was it was it was it's just one of these things I'm proud of. So I'm proud. I'm proud of these things. Played in the semi-final Scottish Cup against Sunnis' boys at Parkhead. Yeah. Drew with them 0-0. You only get one bite of that cherry with senior clubs. Clubs like You get one chance, one chance. Only. They pumped us in the second game 4-0 quite rightly. So Sunnis made a couple of changes. Yeah, these are probably the two highlights. And I, I think at one point I played in every ground in Scotland. So every senior ground in Scotland. So wow. yeah, these, these were little career highlights. But obviously now changed, Bayview's changed. Uh, there's new teams in the league, so obviously that record's gone, but I, I think I've played another one. Brilliant. And do you still keep in touch with any teammates from your previous clubs? I, uh, I'm i on social media. Uh, Bingy's still there. Uh, John Allison, Bobby Mann, obviously Danny Powell, for, for St. Johnson. Yeah, there's, there's a few I keep in touch with, but not, not too Brilliant. close, but they're, they're still there. Great. It's, it's great to look back when you see these guys coming up and there's no there's no better uh, accolade from your from your pros, you know, your pros that you played with before. So great. Yeah. It's great. Brilliant. And before we do the top five heads, what, what is Ian Heddle doing these days? Ian Heddle's just been an industrial slave for an agency working offshore. Uh I kind of moved away from, from Dunfermline round about two thousand and seven or two thousand and eight. Unfortunately, my my first marriage didn't work out, so I went I went abroad. So I'm living in Thailand these days, 
married to a lovely lady uh, over there. But yeah, just working globally and uh, hopefully see out in the next, was it, nine years? I think I've got before it's time to draw the old pension. But uh, aye, still surviving. Brilliant, mate. Right, so the top five, we do this at the end of every podcast. So this applies to your time at Dunfermline only. Mm-hmm. So most memorable game? Centenary game, for obvious reasons. Aberdeen, absolutely. Proud to Brilliant. take them into the second century of their, of their existence. Superb. Who was your best mate at the club? Rowan Hamilton. Rowan was uh, ex-Hollibeth, although he was uh, a year below me. Hollibeth had a fantastic turnout of players. Kareem Conveyor, better players, greatly successful. Rowan was, was my best mate at Dunfermline. And we used to do a, a coaching a coaching session for Fife Council at uh, Dunfermline High School. Mm-hmm. So me and Hammy used to do that. Heads and Hammy would always call each other. So mm-hmm. I, he was my best mate. Sadly, they came in touch with him because he's, he's not in the media anymore. So, But uh, top lad, top lad. Brilliant. Who was the best player you played against? There's a lot, but if you're talking with Dunfermline, I would have said it's Willie Miller. When he when he played in the centenary game, and I get again, I got to play against him when I went to St Johnson. But Willie Miller, top defender, yeah, class international, absolutely superb. What was the best stadium or your favourite stadium you played in? The one and only Hamden can only be every boy's dream. I, I went there as a, a wee laddie. My dad took me to see some Scotland games, but. Uh, the the enormity of the place when you when you go in there and you see the old changing rooms and the baths and just a pitch massive great although only playing against Queen's Park it's a special place to play. Brilliant mate. And the one favourite memory from your time at the club, that one moment that was really special for you. Yeah, it's probably probably the night I signed. Like I say, it was a long, long journey many hurdles to cross many games to play before I managed to, to go senior and I, like I say I remember the game against Falkirk Reserves that night and then sitting in Leash's office because when you come down the stairs his office was on the right just sitting there and, and signing a professional form uh, really 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 good and then like I said the memories of Old Dunfermline the dressing rooms they were, they were just they were iconic the bath you know Big Leash would be in the bath most days at night when back in the days when everybody got in the bath, so I that, that was probably the highlight. Superb heads. That well, that's been brilliant. It's been great catching up with you, and thanks Aye. very much for doing the podcast. No problem. Listen, thanks for the invite. Absolutely, mate. Thank you enormously. Uh, still followed on filming, obviously. Good to see they've got off to a great start after not so good last season, but they'll always be in my heart on filming. Absolutely, great club, and good to catch up with Leash and all these boys, you know, so thank you again. Brilliant. Thanks, Ian Heddle. That's been superb. Magic, mate. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, which is available on all popular platforms such as Apple iTunes, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Thanks to our guest in this episode of Walking Down the Hobbyth Road. This podcast was produced by Jan Mokiewicz and music supplied by Stuart Dusty Miller. We look forward to speaking to another former par in the next episode.